you for uh, being willing to share and, and read our scripture for us this morning. Um, Acts 16, 25 through 26. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Thank you, Kaylee. My chains were coming loose as you was reading. <laughs> I guess there was some technical difficulty back there. Shaq took care of us. Uh, you got to have good folks to help you, right? I mean, whether it's getting a pair of glasses, Rick, or uh, uh, sound stuff. Let's see here. I'm going to turn that off. There you go. Am I still plugged in? All right. Okay. All right. We were going to have a sermon today, right? I think we were. Act 16. We're going to get to that. You know, uh, this is really kind of part two of the uh, Unchained, of the uh, story that Alan started with. He had a jail story. You know, I can't let Al outdo me, so i got to get a jail story. Now, I can't outdo the testimony, but that's okay. That wasn't his. So, I, I just, you know... Uh, no, uh, I, when I was thinking about this section of scripture, uh, when the when the church starts in this town of Philippi, which is in um, modern day Greece, there's something that leads up to these guys being uh, in jail. And, and by the way, I, kinda, I thought it was kind of ironic that one of our teenagers who had been up all night read the scripture that said at midnight they were singing and praying. So I'm trusting that happened all night with the teenagers. Brandon, I'm sure you had that all under control. Uh, I, uh, Tom, it's been a long time since we did lock-ins. I swore them off a long time ago. Uh, that's for somebody younger than me. Okay, uh, let's look at this section of Scripture in Acts chapter 16. I want to pick up about why Paul and Silas are in jail. What led to... First, we're going to look at kind of what led to their being in jail... What happened that shook the whole thing up, and then the conversion that takes place with the jailer himself and as well as his household. So that's kind of the idea that we're looking at. So we kind of go like this. You get a big picture. Think of a circle. A big picture of what happened, and then we'll kind of keep taking that thing down until we kind of get to the his conversion of the jailer. But we've got a little bit more to do before that. So in Acts chapter 16, uh, the first 10 verses, you know, Paul gets this vision uh, he sees a Macedonian guy calling him, saying, come over here and preach the gospel. And the spirits forbid him going other places, and he points him in that direction. So off they go. And so they, they, they put out to sea, they, they sail, they get to where they want to be. Uh, uh, they travel to Philippi, a Roman colony. It's a leading city uh, there, where you find out in verse 12. In verse 13, now they're in Philippi, and they, on the Sabbath, we went outside to the city gate, to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. So they knew that there's a place people gathered up and prayed. We sat down and began to speak to the women who were gathered there. And one of those listening uh, was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond. I love that. The Lord opened her to respond to Paul's message. Now, we know what Paul's message is. the same one Peter had back in Acts 2 about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We know the gospel message that Paul preaches every time. 
And so when she and the members of her household were baptized, this is always the response to that. She invited us into her home. And if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So they go to this place. They convert this woman, a businesswoman who owns her own home and has her household there. And she invites them in right after she's baptized. I love the hospitality that just comes right out of this new relationship that you found with somebody in the Lord. That's a great thing. And then they keep preaching there. So uh, once more, we're going down to the place of prayer. Hey, let's, we, uh, we fished in that hole once. It's pretty good. Let's go fish it again. Right, guys? All right. Uh, but uh, the difference is they tell you where it is. You guys, you won't tell people where it is. Let's, anyway, uh, there's a sermon in that somewhere, too, I think. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. And when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, by the way, you can preach and teach all you want to, but you start messing with people's money, people get, they start getting upset, right? They seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace, to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept and practice. Which wasn't true. But it doesn't take much of a lie to get a group of people stirred up, right? The crowd, here they are, they join in the attack against Paul and Silas. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown in the prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. So here's what led them to being in jail. Now, what's going to happen here in in this jail incident is that the result, I'm going to tell you the end and get more specific. And of course, the jailer and his whole family comes to the Lord, right? <clears throat> I just want to say that through. I want to remind you of something. What was ever, what's been ever Jewish man's prayer? Lord, thank you for not making me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. And in one full sweep, we see a woman, a slave, and a Gentile rescued by the gospel. I just thought that's pretty good how God worked that out. <clears throat> About midnight, way past my bedtime. That's not it. That's just in the Greek somewhere that says that. Because my dad said nothing ever happened at, at, at midnight. No, nothing ever happened good uh, uh, after that. So Paul and Silas, they're, they're in jail now. They're praying and they're singing hymns to God and the other prisoners are listening to them. Now get this. Their backs are still 
sticky from the bloodshed and the beatings they're taking. Their feet are in stocks and they're doing what? They're singing and praying. Are you kidding me? What kind of guy, what kind of men are these folks here? Wow. In the middle of, of all their troubles, they're just singing and praying to God. Now, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly how that went. If, 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 uh, uh, you know, they're trying to, I know they've been stripped, they've been beaten and flogged, and then they're chained up. I don't know if, uh, they were, uh, uh, I don't know what they were singing. I don't know if it was, I doubt it was, uh, singing Be Happy, but I don't know what the song was. Uh, uh, but they were singing. Probably out of the Psalms. And they're praying. And these prisoners, they're not complaining about being up at night. They're listening. This is a strange thing. They all know these guys have been beaten. They all know why they're in there. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. You ever been in an earthquake? Uh, I stood on ground, I can remember back home up in North Arkansas, Dennis. We'd have some small tremors, we'd have a small earthquake from time to time up there. Man, it's a strange feeling when the earth just shakes. There's an earthquake takes place. The jailer woke up. I would too, wouldn't you? And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Now, when you think about this, now they're thrown in prison for preaching They've already got rescued a couple of people from the evil one. And now there's this earthquake. The, the chains are gone and loose. The doors are open. And the jailer wakes up and he, look, it's dark. He's, there's not any light. He can't tell. He assumes everybody, by the way, he believes a lie right off the bat that everybody's gone. And, and guess as a result of that, he thinks it's hopeless for his own life. He draws his sword. He's going to take his own life. How many times have you seen people that in the middle of their troubles, when they think there's nothing else to do, they go out and harm themselves. They do something to harm themselves. The earthquake in their life shows up. They believe a lie because they really can't see what's true or what's happening. And out of believing that lie of hopelessness, they're going to take their own life or they're going to do something to harm themselves. And look what he says. Don't harm yourself. Now, this is coming from a guy who knew how to handle difficult situations. Remember, this Paul and Simon, they just finished singing a song, saying a prayer. Think about it. If we're in here singing, I mean, we're not in jail, but if we're in here, I hope you don't feel like you're in jail. Uh, if we're in here singing and praying and all of a sudden an earthquake happens, 
If you believe a lie about yourself and you think there's no hope, it's a miserable place to be in life. Now, Paul and them had the right attitude. And I've often thought, do I have enough faith and courage to respond like these guys? Because when you think about it, think, think about these guys. They're there. They've been beaten. They're jailed up. Undeservingly. It's an unjust deal. It's illegal, matter of fact, to do that to these men. It was unfair. How many of us, instead of praying and singing, being ready for whatever opportunity God brings about, would still be trying to holler and, and say, this is wrong, and I've been, I'm not treated right, and you guys didn't do me right? How many of us would be doing that? Well, yeah, we would. Instead, Paul and Silas never lose focus that God is in control here. So that's why they're singing and praying. They know, they know the God they serve. And they know that he's going to do something far beyond what they can imagine. They understand that. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. That had to be good news to a jailer. Because you know what happened to him, right? He loses his prisoners. He loses his life. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, notice all of a sudden the respect. (laughs) Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Same question asked back in Acts 2. When the gospel had been preached, to the folks in Acts 2, and they heard the gospel and it touched their hearts, and they wanted to do right by God. They said, what must they ask Peter? What do we need to do? What must we do to be saved? And here's what his reply. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all others in his house. What, what kind of word, what kind of word do you think he spoke? Well, he spoke the word that had been spoke to him about Jesus and who he was and his death and his burial and his resurrection. The grace that covered their sins and the hope that you could have. This is Paul who used to be Saul who killed Christians. Now, here he is in his own back still bleeding in jail. Now he's preaching the same message that saved him. By the way, in Acts 22... You get Paul's testimony when he's given it to how he was saved to some folks over there in Acts 22, 16. And, and you get where he's talking about Ananias and he's remembering how he came to know the truth. And Ananias taught him. And Ananias said to Paul, or Paul who was in Saul, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's, that's how you call on the name of the Lord. That's part of the response to hearing the gospel. The gospel is not baptism, but baptism is a response to the message of grace. Baptism is an experience of grace. Baptism is an act of grace. You are submitting yourself to God saying, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, and I want to be, I want to be like Him. I want to be cleansed from my sins. I want to be where you are, Jesus. And so his story becomes your story when you reenact the death, burial, and resurrection in baptism. 
Now look, the religious world has messed this thing about baptism all up. And sometimes we ain't helped too much ourselves. He ain't at midnight immediately going to be baptized to join the church down the street. Come on. That ain't why he did it. Think about this for a minute. I love it when I had a guy tell me one time, he said, well, Mike, I know we probably have some religious differences. And I said, oh, really? What do you think they are? And he said, well, you know, baptism is one of them. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, you believe this. And I said, no, wait a minute. I, I, I love it when someone tells me what I believe. You know? I'm like, how, how about, let me tell you what I believe. And then you'll know. And so I said, I, I, believe, I don't believe baptism is the gospel. I don't believe water saves you. He said, well, you believe there's something in the water. No, I don't believe that. I believe the blood of Jesus saves a person. The grace of God saves them. You can't earn salvation. He said, yeah, but baptism is a work. No, baptism is not a work. Baptism is no more a work than somebody raising their hand saying a prayer. It's not a work. Baptism is always in the passive. You are submitting yourself. Because the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus has pricked your heart, your response because you're putting faith in that story, is to reenact that story in baptism. It's an experience of grace of the greatest kind. And it's not something we need to back off talking about. Now's a great time to elevate the conversation about how it ties us to the gospel. There are two things that we practice that tie us directly to the gospel that we physically do. One is baptism, because we reenact in water the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Ties us to the gospel. Then when we take communion, we're remembering his body, his blood. And we're remembering that story of the gospel. When we physically take communion, we remember the story of the gospel that continually saves us. And that we have a message to go out and share with other people. We get nourished by that at the Lord's table. Communion and baptism. And they're both physically tied to the gospel. They're not church rules. They're just response of the hearts of men and women who have been moved by the story of Jesus. And Paul speaks the word that had been spoken to him. That all your sins, because of the blood of Jesus, is gone. That's good news where I come from. I remember... I remember when I was baptized. I remember Gary Stevenson and Ron Ghostin sharing with me the gospel. Oh, I'd heard the story. I could say the books of the Bible. But I I didn't have a commitment relationship to God. I never quit going to church in my life. I grew up going to church. I, I tell people I had a drug problem. My dad drug me to church on Sunday. He drug me to church on Wednesday. Right? I had information. I didn't have transformation. When they sit down and shared the story of Jesus anew, that gospel touched my heart. I knew I was lost by my own lifestyle. 
I knew the stuff I had done was sinful. We'd gone to an Arkansas State University football game. We played Memphis State University that year. And we were undefeated and we beat them and everybody celebrated and everybody got drunk. And we're riding back from Memphis to Jonesboro and I'm, these guys have been talking to me about the Lord and I said, Lord, please don't let a wreck happen. Don't let something happen tonight. I know I am lost. I don't, I don't want to go to hell. I don't. I want to turn my life around. That Saturday morning, we got in four or five in the morning. I went in, I took a shower, I cleaned up, I got my Bible, I never went to bed. I drove down to the church parking lot. It was empty, I was the first one there. And I had my Bible and I read my Bible a while and I was thinking, I was looking, boy, I wish they'd hurry up and get here. And we sat down that day. And we talked through this thing again. I said, guys, I'm, I'm ready. And that night I was baptized into Christ. And I'm telling you, when I laid my head on my pillow that night, I knew I was right with God. Not because of what I did, but because of what God did for me. In the middle of my mess. And I said, I gotta get, I gotta get some other people in on this. Man. Matter of fact, that same little, that same church up there, the Southwest Church, I preached my first sermon there about a month later. That tells you how brave they were. <laughs> Me and Gary Stevenson, another guy, Randy Gunthorpe, we got up and preached, and they, I, I went last. Well, you know, Gary, he's a little slow, running into my time, and uh, I hope he's listed today. <laughs> So anyway, they preach, and I'm last. So I'm nervous, but I'm fired up, you know. And so, man, I'm excited about the gospel. Because I preached preach the best I could, as quick as I could, and laid out a sermon there. And, and I was nervous. So, man, as soon as the invitation song started being sung, I relaxed. And you know how the preacher stands down front, seeing if anybody responds. And most churches, nobody does. And so I'm standing down there, whoo, relaxed, and a lady comes forward. How dare her to respond to my sermon? <laughs> it's my first one. And she's crying and she comes to me like, and I'm looking around like, one of my own kind ought to help me, you know. <laughs> we sat her on the pew and finally one of the elders and preacher got over there because they knew I'd messed that up and took over. And I was scared to death, but I'll tell you what, I'll never forget it. Because to go from being scared myself to watching someone else walk down to get their life right was the greatest joy of my life. Now, my sermon may not have anything to do, who knows what all the studies are going on, but just the idea that somehow or another in all my mess-ups, God might use me to help somebody else. That was like, wow. That's what you do as a church. When you have a conversation, you help bring somebody else closer to God. God uses you to make an eternal impact on the life of somebody else. You. Verse 32, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, 
The jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. They didn't wait till Easter Sunday. They didn't wait till the birthday. They didn't wait till some special service at the building. Immediately. Why? His hearts were pricked. He wanted to be right with God. He heard that good news and he wanted to respond and reenact it right there and say, I'm serving God no matter what. The jailer brought them to his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, this is interesting now, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? They didn't have no problem being out public loud about it before. No, let them come themselves and escort us out. You got to like Paul's spunk, you know. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. Why? Because you couldn't treat Roman citizens like this. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting. Now they're just saying, guys, please, if you don't mind. I mean, you know, before they're beating them in the street, dragging them into jail. Now it's like, guys, if you don't mind, could you, uh, you know, kind of just ease out of here? requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, remember her? Where they met with the brothers and encouraged them, then they left. I love this. Can you imagine this? So we've got these conversions in Philippi. I would love to have gone to church there a couple of weeks later. You walk in and here's a businesswoman, a sister. She's got her arm around a slave girl. And watching that jailer walk, walk in and prance all his kids and family inside there. And all of them gather up and start worshiping God. By the way, I love the fact that the hospitality that's always a result of people being, grace, being grateful for their conversion. Both of these, Lydia and the jailer, opened up their house to these guys. Fed them, spent time together, fellowshiped. There's no substitute for being together with the brothers and sisters. I'm just telling you. Well, hospitality and joy immediately followed these guys. The jail was shaken. The jailer was shaken. The city was shaken. And out of this comes a change of life as the chains not only came off... The chains that came off Paul and Silas, incidental. The chains that came off Lydia, the slave girl, and the Philippian jailer, unbelievable. Maybe they were singing that song, My Chains Have Gone. That story of the gospel, it has the power to change the hearts of men. So the question really becomes, 
Will you let the story change your life? Maybe you've been broken to a point. Maybe some earthquakes happened in your life where you you feel hopeless. And you look around you and you really can't see what's happening in reality. And you're like, oh man, there's no way out of here. Now, there's hope. People feel hopeless many times. But God's story of Jesus' love for us can fill a man's heart with hope. No matter what you've done, sin-wise, God done something greater than that with his son the blood of Jesus is more powerful than the sin you participated in don't you ever think you're too far down the road to be right with God God loves you so much remember that verse that he gave it's one and only son but whoever believes in him will be saved. Isn't that what this is all about? We're going to celebrate Easter next week. The emphasis always is on the resurrection. But the resurrection happens after the price has been paid. When God in the flesh hung on a cross. He died for me. If I was the only one on earth, he'd have died for me. That's how much God loves you. I'll never forget that night after I was converted. I could lay my head on my pillow. And I went to sleep knowing I was right with God. First John five thirteen. These things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. You can know you have eternal life by what's written in this book. I don't know it because I do right. I know it because of what he did for me. And I don't want anyone to walk out of here not knowing you're right with God. Not one of you. And we've got to stay all day long baptizing people. We will. I want you to leave here rejoicing. If you're already right with God and grace of God's taking care of you, then you leave rejoicing. Go out there to a world and tell them good news. Now, don't go out there and act like you've been weaned on a sour pickle and be, you know, rude and crude and everything to everybody else. But live your Christianity out loud and on purpose in front of people. Show them the joy in, in, in spite of the circumstances you're in. Singing and praying at midnight doesn't make sense to the world. But boy, does it create opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. And that's what you and I as a church get to do. We're just messed up folks in this whole thing together, saved by the grace of God. And aren't you grateful, by the way? Amen? Saved by His grace, who walk out of these doors with good news for other people, how they can live life to the fullest, and how they can be rescued from whatever's got them chained down in darkness. They can find hope and light. Father in heaven, we love you. Thank you for the reminder of this church in Philippi. 
businesswomen, slaves, Gentiles, jailers, their household. We all have the same need. That's the need of the blood of Jesus. Help our pride never to be in the way of serving you. And Father, if there's someone here that needs to be saved today, I pray you prick their hearts and move them to believe in Jesus and to be baptized today. I pray, Father, that we would always be appreciative of your grace, that we could have the attitude of Paul and Silas, no matter how difficult our circumstances are, when we're treated unfairly, we still just sing and pray and give you glory and honor. Father, for those that may be physically sick or spiritually sick, we want folks to be healed today. Father, we want to be people who walk in humility, who love mercy and who do the right thing as you've told us to do. So bless us as a church, Father, to be open to to the brokenness of people's lives in our community and to be moved by people's needs and to respond the way Jesus responded to our needs. Nourish us today in this assembly to go out of here ready to share the good news with other folks. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace that is more than enough. In Jesus' name we pray and the church said, Amen. I love you. I just want to tell you, I love you very much. And you're a great, great encouragement to me. If you do have a need to respond today, we have an invitation song. And you can come and we'll pray with you or baptize you, whatever your need is as we stand and as we sing.